I'm Evan Applegate. This week's episode of Very Expensive Maps features Australian cartographer and surfer Grant Preller, who, appropriately, makes surf maps. Grant spent five years mapping 50 miles of Western Australian coastline, and his maps will tell you exactly where to catch a sick wave. My name's Grant Preller. Um... I'm from Perth, uh, being down in a little town called Mother River for, for a lot of my adult life. I pretty much focus on surf spot maps. The word in Australia for an outer reef that you surf, and it's, it's used around the world as well, is called a bommy, an outer bommy, or a, um, the, the word in Australia is actually bombora, which is an Aboriginal word, interestingly enough. But um, yeah, no, that's um, the map name, which I'm running on at the moment. Can you remember the first map that you made? I don't know. I sort of didn't really do any maps for a while until I got my car and then had the old road map and um, used to start scribbling little sketches of, of surf spots um, or potential surf spots that I'd been to or, or, or seen developing probably a little bit more when I started traveling over a surf trip around Europe and, and started to spend a bit more. I'm doing sketches in my notebook diary that I, that I used to keep. Um, yeah, so that would have been in the uh, early, early mid-90s. Mid-90s, uh, you would note surf spots on a road map. Is, am I hearing that right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, some also diaries. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd go and surf. I used to keep a diary of all the different surfs. You know, I'd keep a diary every day of every surf that I added. Um, started to sketches or spots that I really liked, um, you know, with the headland and where the wave was in relation to the land, um, what conditions it, it was good in, and, um, you know, pretty, pretty rudimentary. I mean, I've still got, I've still got my old roadmap from my university days in, in, in 94. That's like scribbles all over it. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, I think the first couple of proper you know, maps that I drew with a bit more meaning were probably when I was, I was um, doing a surf trip through through France, Spain, Portugal. Um, yeah, I had a, had a couple of really interesting pumps on the beach with, with a couple of mates at the Brady headlands that um, we actually used to find them on the road map and go, well, let's, let's see if there's any waves on that, in that little bay. Um, and yeah, we pretty much just traveled, did the whole coast of, of, of Europe like that, just finding, oh, I'm a being here to the spot we knew and then the, the, the better known spot. But in between we'd go, well, let's go and drive there and have a look at that little, little headland or cape and, um, started doing little sketches from there. Really interesting to look back on them. Actually, there's, there's a couple of spots that I've, some digging through my files a little while ago, and well, that that'd be quite interesting to um, it turned into a proper map. So, um, yeah, no, they definitely yeah started in earnest in 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 probably the nineties while I was traveling as a little add into my diary. In the mid nineties, you and some friends surfed your way from France, Spain, Portugal. Yes, and um, we had we had a couple of the main spots that we were going to go to, and then yeah, there's a couple of bays that we literally looked at on a roadmap we went let's go and have a look at that bay and you come around the corner and go oh my god like this is actually 
a proper search spot. I mean, you just wouldn't find it these days with Google Maps. Well, you find it with Google Maps by typing in the name, but that old process of looking on a map and trying to see where something was and, and navigating your way there down crazy little roads and access tracks that turned out to tips and valleys that you'd have to turn around and try and get the other way around were probably really where the value and the excitement of maps got going, I reckon. Yeah. So you would check the roadmap, see the shape of the coastline and how close the road was and think, okay, we can go here, park here, drag our boards half a mile. We're probably a little bit more lazy than that. Uh, it was where we could park the, the I think it was like a 90, 90, 1980 combi. Um, so if we could get to, to a road close enough to see the surf, then we would stay. Uh, if we couldn't, then we'd turn. I mean, we did end up driving down one track for one night to get to a bay, stopped because it was pitch black, um, and woke up the next morning literally like on the edge of a cliff with the bay below us. And a herd of cows actually just sort of woke us up there. There, there was a few good ones and, and a few quite interesting ones that if we hadn't carried on um, blindly following the map, um, I think we we would have been in some big trouble. You hear of modern versions of that where people follow their Google map directions into a lake. Yeah, it, well, I nearly did a few times, but it took us to some pretty crazy places that we would absolutely have never gone. Um, did the Europe coast and spent a couple of months up in the northwest corner of Ireland and I drew a map of this one little bay that I remember looking at it a couple of times by myself, just going, one of the most amazing sort of topographical bays I've ever seen. It was this little pointed little headland um, with cobblestone rocks that connected to a round island, 300 metres round island that just stuck off the end of the point and um, both sides of the island had properly surfable waves coming off it. I checked it a few times, but I was always by myself and never, never um, brave enough to actually paddle out there by myself. But I remember that moment quite clearly and doing that little sketch going, you know, just understanding topography and how exciting it is to get around the corner and, and, and see something that you weren't expecting because um, of the way the coast was and, and the way waves and swells wrap around and... Um, yeah, it's a really interesting um, view of the coast when you're looking at it from from reef breaks and and out of bombies and and things like that. So um, yeah, that's definitely on my list of places to draw that one. Um, Polahini Harbour, I think it's called in Ireland. Yeah, in the northwest northwest corner of Ireland. Interestingly, the water in Ireland is not very cold for most of the year because it gets the Gulf Stream going past it. But as soon as the snow comes, apparently that's when everything changes. So, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't stay there for winter. I left just before winter. But yeah, absolutely beautiful coastline that. You surfed around Europe, and did you go back to South Africa or move to Perth? Yeah, did a little trip. I, I, I met a met a a young lass in, in London. You mentioned she was from this tiny little town called Margaret River, which literally grew up with photographs of my pencil case at school of. We'll be up going, hey, by the way, uh, let's let's uh, meet in Australia and um, ended up moving down to Margaret River and doing my first visit in about 96. Pretty much been bouncing back and forth since. So I've worked with three kids. It's a long time ago. Not bad. When did you start making these Bombora surf maps? 
I saw a special on one of those, those merch websites where you can buy all sorts of stuff, and I thought it'd be pretty cool to do a, a, a map image on a mug. There's one bay in, in, in Margaret River region called Kalorimut Bay, beautiful little horseshoe bay that has amazing refraction of, of waves, absolutely enormous swells, and the inside corners are really small, and the outside corners, you know, stripping foot. Depends which way the, the you know, if the swells coming from the normal winter side. And this ended up being a, a tiny little project. Did uh, some sketches, got the waves, you know, drafted, sort of started doing it by hand. And then went looking at the coast. I went, oh, actually, they've had a lot of Google aerial images on, um, to, to draft as, as reference. And um, ended up going, well, there's actually the really good surf, you know, the main sort of surf region about. Oh, a few few kilometers, but uh, what it is in the miles, probably about six miles, 10, 10 k south, give or take. And um, thought, oh, I'll do that one as well as a second mug. And then went, well, I may as well just connect the two together. It's really those two mugs that started it. And um, I think it took about five years to draw the whole coast. And yeah, just kind of like one of those things you just get into a little personal project, a little fun project, and it just turned into something that was absolutely engaging and time-consuming and just uh, interesting to do. Ended up just going, well, I'll walk all the coast, all these little surf spots that I used to look at, let me put them on the map and start seeing what's there. And, uh, and it was actually the gap between the two bays, the two points that I went, well, I'm going to do the connecting coastline. I've actually never walked it before, even though I spent 10 years surfing both ends of, of, of you know the top top end and the bottom end of those two two points. Found a whole bunch of little spots that I was just going. I've never actually even thought to walk around the corner. People don't really do that much anymore. Um, well, certainly not in the Margaret River coast. It's it's people surf where they know where to surf and if there's a road there. But this doesn't seem to be that. Let's just go walking and go surfing when you find something. So yeah, connected the two bays together and went. So it was actually quite fun. I'm going to keep doing this and ended up doing about a 80 kilometer stretch of coast. 90% of it walk. So one of the things with the Margaret River region is there's so many really well-known surf spots. Well-known around the world is probably one of the best surf coastlines in the world. And yeah, it's really crowded, but there's so many places around the corner. You know, you look at these little headlands and walk around the back and just go, that's like a completely surfable wave. So ended up just checking all these spots time and time again. So the map itself, sort of a little bit different to like a normal surf map that just has the well-known one. It's actually, you know, I've got these little question marks next to all these reefs and, and breaks that I've seen. I sort of use the criteria that if it was in Perth or in a normal city, there'd be people surfing it. But because it's a definite, section of coast that you've got to hike to and there's generally large sharks and rocks and deep bays and a lot of these spots are not particularly appealing unless unless you're there with a couple of friends yeah just ended up doing that enough i think there's about 100 spots that people know they've got names to them 30 of them are really high quality you know they'd be top surf spots around the world and there's probably another 30 to 40 surf spots that um, I, I don't know if anyone surfed there before, you know, a, a lot of these before have sort of heard rumours of some of them, but a lot of the intent of the maps was to try and get people just to go and look around the corner, you know, go and 
there's 20 guys on at one break, um, go for a hike with a few mates um, and, and see what's, what's around the corner. Yeah, and that just ended up becoming something that I did for five years and so much fun to do. Was this something on your weekends or mornings? I got to spare a few hours. I'm going to go ground truth what I saw on Google Earth. When I started doing the post map, I was surfing a lot then. So you, with surfing, one of the funny things is that, you know, especially on a day-to-day basis, a lot of the time the surf's pretty rubbish. You know, you'll you'll go down. The wind will be slightly wrong at one spot, so you drive to the next spot and drive to the next spot. Um, then I ended up getting... Um, these old, you know, these favourite spots that were out of the way that I just keep going back to to go and have another look at on different conditions. And there's one spot that I looked at just around the back of Mother River Main sort of surf spot. Like you know, the reef break up in the middle of the ocean that I've never heard of anyone surfing, never seen any photos, never heard any mention of it, of it as even a potential break. And, you know, I saw it on a couple of swells that was faces probably 15, 25 foot faces that completely surfable you know i'd seen it on a few different swells but um you know you you know where the reef is when you've seen it on a couple of different swells and it breaks in the same spot um yeah i mean no way i would ever paddle out there you need some some pretty some pretty serious um nerves and probably some support checks you can be like that but there's just spots like that all over the place so yeah that um was a lot of fun when the surf was rubbish i'd go then we go and have a look around the corner. I'll drive up the coast. I'll, you know, walk walk around up and down the the, the headlands and just see if there's any reefs that um, have waves that are working when everyone else is somewhere else. I gotta say, uh, I can't believe the detail on these the shark attacks, shipwrecks, local historical stuff, where to see stingrays, where you could off road a wind rose. Would you mind giving me an end to end process of making, say? that Bunker Bay to Contos map, that huge eight-foot map, how it happened from inception to finishing it? I'm actually an anthropologist by trade. For my work, I was doing a lot of research. You know, we do these historic sections, or when I was working as a consultant, do you do these reports that have historic, um, you know, early settler sections to them to to explain the context of, of, of what we were researching? And the old maps that, the guys used to do, I found a whole bunch of maps, um, you know, circa probably about late 1800s. Absolutely incredible. You know, they just, the, the cartography on the original maps were just so, so amazing. When I did that first mug, I sort of started off doing, it was almost line art, which is that sort of classic wave, you know, the little line art wave with the, the curl and, and, the, and the, the suck of the wave, also in lines. Um, and then kind of got a bit stuck with trying to work out how to do rocks and coastline, and then thought, well, I should, you know, use one of these old maps for the style guide. Well, I overlaid the the three historic maps, actually stitched them together on 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 Corel Draw, overlaid them onto a modern one to two fifty map. Remember actually dropping these two maps on top of each other, scaling them a little bit, a couple of tweaks here and there. But this 1890 map it is almost spot on. It is so insane. There's a level of detail. And I, I, don't, I still to this day, I've got no idea how they would get so much detail on a, on a map without an aerial image. It just blows my mind. 
like using that as sort of a, a map style, I drop that onto sort of a vector file, a, a PDF with background, and printed it all out in in, in a a zero, and then got tracing paper up and actually traced the coastline from top to bottom. You know, getting all the rocks. Didn't really do any of the nils. That 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 sort of was a a bit of a too hard basket in the beginning, and ended up then scanning that and then digitizing the coast and then pretty much just going from the top end all the way down to the bottom um, with that digitized version and redrafted all the rock and all the uh, inlets and bays and, and things like that as I, um, you know, as I got to each bay, really. So um, I think there's a, there's a little section of coast, um, amazing little rock configuration um, called Canal Rocks. That's um, so it must have been sort of a like a, a a ravine or something that goes almost due north south. But it's got these beautiful, you know, granite boulders. Um, and I, you know, remember drawing that, just getting a really high definition image of it, and actually drafting in black and white. You know, in the black outline, every single rock and getting them all in position properly, and then you turn the aerial image off, and it's actually you know, it looks like canal rocks. It's um, but you know the black and white line line off thing. I think that was probably the first time I really got a, a grasp of how fun it was to use digital vector drawings and actually do it as art and try to make it look like like it was drawing rather than the computer generated coastlines that that tend to lose a bit of their their life. Yeah, just basically just the whole coast. You start on one end and you go, I've got another 40, 50 case to go. So, um, and then in the interim was checking stuff and adding surf spike and putting little notes on, on, on the map. And um, yeah, just kind of built from there. Who drew the original 1890s charts? Were they nautical charts? They were actually used by the early photographers um, for land surveys. Um, and they allocated all the old, um, you know, the original settler blocks. Uh, it, it took, you know, almost a generation, a couple of generations for people to get down to the southwest corner. So they used it to map their land plots, their land holding. In the process of doing that, ended up just with these absolutely incredible maps. The cartography is all done by pencil, and they just have a beautiful style. It's that whole era, the 1800s sort of era of, of, of map drawings, one of the you know, most amazing eras of, of cartography I think that's ever happened. Okay, so you overlaid these beautiful 1890s maps, shrunk them or enlarged them to match a modern 1 to 250,000 scale map, then printed them in A0, and then traced the coastline by hand to get all the rocks? Pretty much. Um, pretty much, and then I mean, at, during that process, you kind of work out you work out how good these photographers were because what I found is I start in an area, and it's almost like when you change angle or, or move your hand, the angle of the rock suddenly changes, and the the width of them changes. The you know, it's it's actually really hard to keep the map uniform. I mean, it, it, there's a million map photographers out there who are obviously trained and incredibly talented, but I've got the coast done in, in principle, you know, in basic format. And then when um, it's actually, once I digitized it, the uniformity, but still the line drawing 
style was easier to maintain consistency throughout the length of coast, almost naturally steered towards the, the digital version because it was easier to get a block of rocks or get a block of chip and then copy that and drop it onto the next section of, of Google Aerial Imagery and then redraft it and tweak it. But quite hard to actually keep all the thickness and the width and the, the how pointy and it's quite hard to keep it looking like a line drawing without seeing the copy paste. So the basic template, you know, I've probably got about um, a go-to, probably about a 15k stretch of coast. That's almost my go-to that I can grab and then drop onto the next set of coastline and then just tweak and angle and merge and make it unique to that coastline but still keeping the same style. The one thing that I've really enjoyed was actually drawing the the way that waves wrap around the headlands. It's the same sort of process with wave. I hand drew a whole lot of waves, different size, big ones, little ones. Um, but you can't draw one wave and just scale it up to make it bigger. There's a longer period between the swells, like a small wave spot got waves that are really close together, whereas a big wave spot has got three to four waves in it in a football field, whereas a small wave, the little baby reefs will have three to four waves in, you know, the size of a small car park. You know what I mean? That period between swells was different. So that was part of the drawing process. It was quite you know, so interesting going to different surf sites and going, okay, on a big swell, there's probably X number of waves in a set and that reaches out to a certain distance. Um, whereas on a small swell, that same bay, you'll have three or four waves, you know, that will be so close together comparatively. And that's in part of the drawing process was the, the Google Aerial is just, I mean, it's what an incredible resource. Um, you know, you look at the historic imagery and you can actually map different swells and work out where waves break and, um, you know, a 10-foot wave breaks in a very different spot to that same point on a two-foot swell. Um, two foot swells right on the inside, a ten foot swells right at the back on a, on a different different reef system. So I think when I drew that, I used probably four or five underlay aerial images fitted on top of each other. But each image was taken on a different swell, a different size, um, and yeah, kind of go okay. Well, on a really big swell, it breaks on that reef there, but on a small swell, it breaks on this reef there, and and you can also see how it refracts. So you actually get the lines, um, you know, how far apart the swells are on a big day. You can line it up on Google, Google Earth. So it actually, you actually get the swell location and the swell with, um, in the right spot, which is something that I found a little bit frustrating with some, you know, some of the more commercial surf maps. They've just got uniform lines, you know, you've got a whole stretch of coastline and they've got plenty of surf spots. And just a whole bunch of lines all sitting along that yeah, each spot all the same. But it's the interesting part of surfing and coastline and, and seeing these bays is how how the wave interacts with the coast and where the rocks are and, and things like that. So it gives gives a little bit more. I don't know. It's, it's a pretty interesting drawing, put it that way. Yeah, I really really enjoy doing that bit of it. I think it's one of those things that you slip into and yeah, I mean this thing for some of your other podcasts, it, it's it sounds like there's quite a lot of people that get into these little projects and get sucked down a little rabbit hole. And if it's a rabbit hole that you're enjoying, it's it's just really exciting to try and get better and more accurate and, and more detail. Probably a, another feature that I quite 
enjoy on the maps is trying to fit in a lot of detail. So when, you know, people look at the map, they're like, oh, wow, oh, wow. You know, there's a lot of um, little nooks and crannies with little notations and comments and things like that on them that um, give it a, a bit more of a story. So after you've traced the coast from the old maps combined with the modern maps, you've done your drives and your walks to map the swells along with the aerial imagery. And you also add everything else inland with, you know, roads, rail, where forest is, parks, boat launches, shipwrecks. Are those from Google Aerial 2 or do you have other stuff you pull in to make those? Someone actually asked me, they said, oh, do you do Hamlet Bay? And I was like, well, I haven't done that yet because there's not much surf, but I'll start doing some drafting on it. Started getting a bit more into the historic research side, which is, you know, what, what it was doing for my consulting work. It was sort of a whole new angle and going, well, I've been doing that for surfing, a very, very tight target market. Uh, a good a good market, but but not a lot of, you know, a non-surfer would look at a surf map and go, okay, well, that's a, a surf map. And at that time, I think the map had just started selling quite well. I was just selling them through markets and, and, and word of mouth. I thought, well, I'll give this one a go and just see what it's like. It's a bit more of a tourist area, a non-surfing area, but just the amount of information that was available on Hamlin Bay, specifically with the shipwrecks, just strange stories. The one shipwreck in Hamlin Bay got sunk in 80-knot winds. Like 80 knots is just insane. It, I've never been, I've been in some massive storms in my life. And, you know, started getting all that stuff. Yeah, actually, the shipwreck information is actually really interesting. And did that one and went, this is a, a nice little segue to try and do maps that are a bit more, have a bit of a wider interest than just surfing. And then um, from there, ended up, to, moved up to Perth a few years ago. And there's another island or surf that's a really good surf spot. Never really used to go. It's called Rottnest Island and started doing that. I'd, I'd had, a, had some time off last year and just went, let me do Rottnest. And um, that was like diving headfirst into into full proper research. Found some really cool old maps from the first arrivals of the first settlers and things like that. And a couple of the maps that I started to notice, a few of the maps actually had information that other maps didn't. Um, you know, some of the old bay names and uh, beach names and things like that and thought well I should combine every bit of information off all these different maps onto a single map and Rottnest being an island it, it's quite a nice shape to add information into you can expand out quite easily so I ended up yeah putting together about eight, eight or nine maps into one and the Rottnest one includes I found some research documents in, in the you know with our, our local um, or the city library that have got all the information on the original place names, um, what the name was, um, who it was named after. Well, not all the names, but you know enough to go. Oh, that's the name of that bay. That's the name of that bay. That's you know this is lakes named after this guy. So I started adding all that stuff in, and um, yeah, it was just like a yeah, an, an, another rabbit hole, but a different rabbit hole with a, a whole lot of different information on it. It's just some really cool facts that you, you know, you come up with and go, I don't think people know that this rock got named after a guy that used to picture all the time and drowned. And they now call it Philip Rock. And the top of the rock got chopped off by the army in Second World War because they couldn't shoot their guns at, um, in the direction they wanted. So they chopped the top of the rock off. Well, that's as fun to, to research as it was to conquer them out. 
And when you make custom maps, are you modifying an existing map or are you starting from scratch? Definitely not from scratch. It's, it's, um, people will ask for specific structures or coats. Did the market for a while, which was heaps of fun. We used to do them every, every couple of weeks, um, uh, over the last the season before last. They had a couple of people come in and go, oh, you know, we got married just over there. And I'd go, well, you know, I can probably drop in a couple of little notes in there just so that when your map, you'll have a little love heart or a, or a little footnotes something just to make it a little bit more more custom for you um, but generally it's i'll go well what stretch of coats do you want and they'll go well i like where i'm up bay you know well how far up and down do you normally go and how big is the space that you want the canvas to go into um, and then cut the map to that size and that stretch of coast which it's relatively easy but because all the labels aren't they all overlap there's always the two ends of the map that have to get pretty much relabeled and and as soon as you dive into that side there's, there's normally another review up the whole coast and a couple of little tweaks and things here and there so my only commerce that i like is sitting under that tent in direct sunlight and people walk in oh wow what is this and you get to talk to them about your maps so much fun they just i met the first cartographer i've ever met in real life at one of the markets and they come and they go oh so you cartographer and i'm going no i just really like doing maps it sort of started as a little fun project and now it's turned into um, something that I would definitely call a, a vocation that takes a lot of my time up and long-term plans on, on continuing doing maps probably until the end of my days. I have a joke with my wife that when I grow up, I want to, I want to be a cartographer, which will happen one day. I'd say you're all the way there. From one cartographer to another, no one else is walking the coast and thinking, I'm going to get in that water. <laughs> you're in the old style of those guys who made the 1890s maps. You showed up. That's so kind to say that. Thanks, Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, a lot of, they're really enjoyable doing. And I think people that draw maps and like maps, there's a world of people in that category. And when you mention to someone that you like maps, if they like maps, it's just like a, a you know a common bond. There's something about maps, um, and there's something about tactile maps that you can hold and, and turn around or look at and walk up and down and, and peruse rather than Google, you know, aerial digital images that um, sit on a phone. Something you can put your nose in that is not a screen. People respond to. Yeah, completely. You know, and that's uh, the number of map makers out there. And the value that maps can give to people, you know, there's some maps that I look at on the side. That's just, you, you know that there would be people out there who buy that map and they just love that map. And there's all these little different niches of, of types of maps, um, you know, learning more, listening to your podcast of, of a whole bunch of different artists that I never knew of before. And it, I just love it that people that start doing these little crazy projects and give a lot of, provide a lot of interest to people that are in places that they wouldn't have before. And, um, yeah, they've a lot in maps, but I, I love them. You know, I heard on, on one of your, your podcasts, I think it was Sarah Drake, and she just said, oh, it's so funny when people come up to a map in an area that they know, and they go straight to the first place that they know, and they almost do like a, like a truth check. You have to work on how authentic this map is. Do you have something that they know that they think someone else doesn't know? And it's such a conversation starter, especially when you're in a, in a retail booth, market tent, and someone comes up and 
they just point at something and you go, I, I know where you're pointing. You've obviously got a connection there. You've obviously got something. What 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 is it there? And they they just rattle off some moments in time that they've had at that particular spot that um they've seen on a map and just go, oh, I I remember this place. Territories are personal. I made a map of Alaska. A lady came up to my booth and put her finger on it and said, I took a week-long kayak trip here, dodging chunks of glaciers falling into the fjord and someone else pointing at a map I made of the Hudson River saying, oh, my father was a tugboat captain up and down this river. Yeah. And the things people will tell you is wild, just their journeys, their families. It's it's also personal. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things that I found with, you know, that Hamlin Bay map, when you're talking to people and they, they're looking at all the different bits and pieces, little little um, things that are, that are on the map, probably what I've been enjoying so much now with these, these new maps that I've got this whole extra level of detail is little things in there that you know when you're in the boat and, and driving to a surf spot around the bottom corner of Rotnus Island that island there is is named after a guy that used to keep his fishing fleet there he used to hide it and lure it behind the rocks and it's there's so much history everywhere you go that um is interesting to so many people but it kind of gets buried and, you know, people, it, it's hard to see stuff. Yeah, I just say maps are such a good medium to show that information. I think that's probably what I'm getting at. Yeah. And and just going back to what you said about territories, really funny, actually, because the scale of the map, when I started trying to work out how to, you know, what's a reasonable size map to sell, and it's a long format, that's sort of 880 mil, which is just under three feet. The actual stretch of coastline, on each map is almost point to point where the territory of someone who surfs that stretch of coastline surfs. It's so funny because people are coming and be going, oh, like, yeah, where do you surf? Oh, I surf Coromac Bay or I surf Yellinger. And you go, so how far down do you go? And they go, oh, I go down to about there. And you go, cool, that's the end of the map. Like, the next map is the next series. If you lived in the next little town down, that would be your stretch of coastline. That would be your territory. So there's a lot of maps. But they they different um, formats. So I've got the coast done vertically, and then a separate vector, uh, a separate um, file for horiz- uh, for horizontal. So the labels are all manually put in. Everything's done manually, so I couldn't. You know, I can't just flip the map ninety degrees and and sell it in the vertical map. Um, so they're actually two completely separate maps. There's little differences in in little comments and names and titles and things like that. Um, I try and make sure they're the same, but always mixed up. So, yeah, there's five times two, so there's ten different maps there, and then I did one up the north coast, uh, another little surf spot that I went to, did one of a surf trip over to Indonesia last year, did did a map of that, and then um, did Rottnest. So, um, yeah, there's a few different maps, but only four different coastlines at the moment that that I've published. I'm currently working on another Indonesian one, um, a really good surfing area called Uluwatu, and they've got a few other maps on the cards, but they take a, take a lot of time. Do you have any enormous thousand-yard projects? Like, I want to do this entire stretch, another eight-foot map. I'd love to do specific maps of coastlines that I've been to before. It's hard to do maps of areas. You know, and I've heard this in a few of your, your podcasts as well, you know, when you've got details, it's really hard to do that when you haven't actually visited the place before. 
So, I mean, I'd love to do the North Shore, Hawaii. That would be an incredible coastline to do. Um, you know, Cape Town's just, like, topographically, I think Cape Town would be probably one of the most amazing places to drive because there's just so many different bays. Um, yeah, East Coast of Australia would be good. There's a whole lot of stretches there. But, um, yeah, we'd love to just embark on a, on a world tour and do map. That, that would make me happy. Hit the road. Shoe leather cartography. <laughs> yeah, no. So that's really um, would be would be awesome to do. Actually, actually, got a message from someone that also drafts surf maps, and he he actually does round. He travels around the world doing maps um, as as a little side hustle. But um, absolutely beautiful maps, good one. So Guy Guy Hastings, um, beautiful maps. G U Y is his first name. Hastings H A S A I N G S. Yeah, it does very sort of similar style in terms of coastline detail and wave detail to to the ones that I that I draw. Would have to say that's probably my favourite maps that I've seen around. You know, they're absolutely amazing maps. Uh, map makers all over the place. You know, you, you included and and all the other people on your podcast. But I haven't seen maps like this before that are really they connect the two old school um, styles and and and. And the level of detail in, in individual coastlines, stretches of coastlines. Thank you. I'm looking at these right now. Spectacular. I got to interview this guy too. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful, Max. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I'm heading off to Byron in July. So, hopefully, I'll, I'll, I'll manage to, to catch up with him. Yeah, you guys should hit some sets together. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's um, hopefully going to be on the cards. I got one last question. What's a Grom, G R O M? I think it's actually an American word down it. A grom is a little a little young surfer who all he wants to do all day, every day is surf. Yeah, they tend to be um eight to fifteen years old is Grom. Little profits. Kelly Slater thirty five years ago. Well this has been wonderful, Grant. I want to thank you for taking the time to hang out with me and explain these labors of love. Before I leave, I know you mentioned Guy Hastings. Are there any other map makers or artists that you like that people should check out? Sarah Drake blows my mind. An office of one of the people that I've um, done some work for that had one of her maps in their lobby. I mean, there's another guy in who's does Lord of the Rings style map of Australia called Wildwood. W i l d w r d Wildwood map. And um, last year he released a um, First Nations map. It's one of those maps that you just see that absolutely just nails exactly where public sentiment is. Um, the cartography is absolutely beautiful. Um, the intrigue and the, the the style of it is just such a beautiful map. I've got one of those on my wall. Probably those two. Over my head are probably my favourite two at the moment. And there's people just doing such crazy stuff. Uh, it's just, you know, things that really... You look at them and just go, I just love how someone's come up with that idea and all the dedication, you know, someone like Guy, who, the amount of hours that he, he must take to do one of those maps. And then, obviously, Sarah Drake, who's an absolute nutter with the amount of work that she must put into each of her maps. It's a good thing to have on your Instagram feed. You can flick through in the seat and just go, wow, uh, I, I want one of those, but um, I don't have space on my wall. Good problem to have. Too many maps, not enough room. Yes, I'm looking around in my little studio and I'm literally surrounded by maps all around me. So, <laughs> Not a bad way to live. 
Thanks so much, Grant. I'll let you get on with your evening. Happy surfing. Can't wait to see the next one. Yep. And looking forward to hearing all your podcasts. Everyone I've listened to so far, I've learned a whole heap of things. That makes two of us. I'm doing it so I can learn too. Awesome. Have a wonderful night. You too. Thanks very much. You can see Grant's work on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, Bombora Maps, one word. B-O-M-B-O-R-A-M-A-P-S. And on Facebook, search Bombora Maps. For show notes and bonus content, visit veryexpensivemaps.com. This episode is brought to you by The Map Consultancy, supplier of professional, data-driven maps for your decks, reports, walls, and events. Visit themapconsultancy.com to see what good maps can do for you. I'm Evan Applegate, I'm a cartographer, and you should make your own maps. No one wants to see dull, ugly maps. If you want to get through to your customers, you need the best cartography money can buy. The Map Consultancy will create maps with your data and your branding, PowerPoint decks, annual reports, conferences and events, your office walls. The Map Consultancy does it all. Visit themapconsultancy.com and get the best maps today.